It is time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. Hey, good morning, Simi. All right, let's talk about the World Cup because we're still trying to get answers about how much this is going to cost. Yes, the government says it has a budget estimate, a ballpark estimate of what it's going to cost with the addition of two more games to the schedule and in light of the $80 million budget jump in Toronto. So the government does have a ballpark estimate. They're just refusing to give it to the public. So that's led to some speculation, as often happens when governments won't tell you what numbers they have. And a lot of attention, Simi, has focused on the fine print of the budget we were given last year. There's a reference. There's a lot of money in there for contingency funds. And in the fine print, there is a little statement saying this money is available to help pay for hosting FIFA. So $3 billion in the contingency fund for this year. Uh, Wow. Uh, The government says they're not giving FIFA a blank check, but $3 billion is a lot of money. And uh, the finance minister got up in the legislature yesterday and said, oh, come on, the entire (laughs) 3 billion isn't for FIFA, for goodness sakes. It's there, yes, if uh, there's extra costs coming, but most of the money is there for floods and wildfires and crises and all that. Uh, it was kind of entertaining, actually, to hear Katrina Conroy say this, because because of the speculation, she did have to clarify that the $3 billion is not all for the World Cup. In the hallway outside, Simi, knowing FIFA, I teased her. I said, have you told FIFA that they can't have the entire $3 billion? Because <laughs> you know what? FIFA's like, Simi. They, they, they probably already spent it in their minds. So anyway, it's amusing, but there's nothing funny about the government knowing it's going to cost a lot more and not telling us what it is. Right. But that there is some of that money is for this, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No question. Yeah. And there's an interesting, you know, When you're looking around for evidence and they won't tell you what numbers they have, you look at other things. So my colleague, Dan Fomano, who covers City Hall, talked to City Hall in Vancouver because Vancouver is going to have to pay the freight on this, too. So he asked the city, what's their current estimate? And they said, well, funny you should ask. Uh, City of Vancouver says it's going to cost Vancouver, just Vancouver's share, $230 million. And Simi, that's up from $130 million when they initially uh, estimated it when Vancouver was first awarded status. So uh, let's see. Now, here's a clue. When the provincial government announced what it was going to cost to host FIFA way back when Vancouver was awarded seven or uh, awarded the uh, the games uh that was in june 2022 the province said all in that includes the city and the provincial share was going to be uh 250 million dollars and that's when the city was saying its share was only 130 million dollars so if the city's share is almost doubled seems like a pretty good guess the provincial share has also doubled, so that the all-in cost is what approaching half a billion dollars would be my guess. I throw that note out number out there, Sammy, because the province won't tell us what the real number is. So we're going to speculate. Well, guess. that's exactly it, right? If there's if there's no information, we're going to fill the vacuum with the worst case scenario because it yep. feels like that's why they would not tell us.
I think that's a very good guess. You know, uh, Conroy did say in the House yesterday when she said, relax, FIFA's not getting the entire $3 billion, that there will be a number forthcoming soon. And so maybe in a few weeks, maybe even less than that, if there's enough pressure on the government. But yes, they are reworking the numbers because the original guess was based on us getting five games. We're now getting seven games. Toronto says its estimate, extra $80 million, was because Toronto was getting six games instead of five. So we're getting seven instead of five. So again, you can do the math and go, well, if the number of games has increased that much, you can guess the budget has probably increased at least as much as it has in Toronto and maybe more. This is going to be so interesting to watch this unfold, Vaughn, because I remember when we originally turned this down. And like people were upset that this had been turned. Oh, we're missing out on this opportunity. So when the bill starts to come in, this is just going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, It will be, uh, you know, and it's true that people were upset. But when John Horgan turned it down, he got some praise, too, for not allowing an international organization to dictate terms. Remember what Horgan said? We read the proposed agreement with FIFA. And it looked to us like a blank check, and we weren't willing to sign it. Well, here's one of the questions that our colleagues in the news media have been asking the government ever since it turned around and went the other way and supported FIFA and then got Vancouver designated instead of Edmonton. What changed in the agreement with FIFA that made it no longer a blank check? What did you get? What did you offer that was better than what Edmonton offered? And what did you get that was different from the original blank check agreement? Because, again, what I know about FIFA, they do not respond to shakedowns by governments that want to host a city. So uh, Richard Zussman, I think Richard tells me, Sammy, he's asked the government more than a dozen times. Really? Those questions. What did you get? that wasn't in the original agreement, and what did you offer that was better than what Edmonton offered? They will not answer that question. They claim, oh, it's all subject to a non-disclosure agreement. Well, NDAs tend to suit the purposes of the people who sign them, not the purposes of the taxpayers who are paying the cost. Mm -hmm. So they won't tell us. That's another long list of questions. I'll point out, as I said to you yesterday, Simi, you go down to Seattle, they've already released their contract yeah. with FIFA. They made it public, right? There it is. You don't like the games. You do like the games. You can read what you agreed to. They've done it down in Seattle. Why can't they do it here? Why won't they do it here? Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. We're talking more about the child care situation because, Vaughn, it feels like the questions keep coming, but we're still, again, like with the FIFA situation, still not getting any answers. Uh, yes, but there's some interesting stuff going on. So... Earlier this month, the cabinet signed an order regarding federal funding to BC for childcare. So Ottawa gives the province money for childcare. And as of this year's budget, Ottawa is spending more providing childcare in British Columbia than the BC government is spending on childcare. This is a government that, you know, never stops boasting about its commitment to $10 a day childcare although they've changed the messaging around that as well, and I'll get to that in a minute. But they're taking this federal money, 
And they're claiming credit that is, this is our program. Well, actually, now Ottawa is paying more than 50% of cost. This cabinet order they signed earlier this month, what was interesting, Simi, what it does is it it's, takes a bunch of the money that's come from Ottawa in past years for childcare and pushed it into the future. They're giving themselves the power to spend that money in future years because here's what's going on. All the money Ottawa is sending, BC isn't actually spending it. They aren't spending it because they haven't provided enough spaces for childcare in BC, which is a criticism the opposition has made. Uh, they haven't opened enough centers. There isn't enough $10 a day childcare. They can't, they say, attract enough workers to provide childcare services for the kind that the government wants. And so they're not spending the money that's coming from Ottawa. This, and it's in the hundreds of millions of dollars that they're pushing down the road for future years. Um, they can do that. Uh, don't try this at home, folks. But this is the sort of thing government can do. But it simply illustrates what, you know, the, the storyline out there, which I think is well documented, which is the New Democrats talk a big line on $10 a day child care, but they haven't provided much of it. Only 10% of the licensed spaces in BC are $10 a day. Yet that was the big promise in the NDP election platform in 2017 and in 2020. And see me, you know when they're really in trouble, they change the language around the promise. The Minister for Child Care, Mitzi Dean, now says an average $10 a day child care. It's no longer universal $10 a day child care for everybody that wants child care. It's now an average. So you might pay 20, but somebody's paying a little less. So that brings the average down. It's this program is in serious, serious trouble. And it's in double trouble because the government won't admit it. Hmm. That one little word makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, 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 hmm. you so, got to listen carefully. It's like the cabinet orders, right? So, I mean, you know, they, when the government actually does something and puts a says it's going to do something, puts out a press release. When it actually does something, the cabinet signs an order that changes things. Those are posted later. And to be honest, I don't always read them when they come out. You know, you have to look back. It was the BC United opposition that flagged this cabinet order and our colleague Rob Shaw has written about it. Uh, but uh, when you read the fine print, what they're doing is admitting to themselves they're not spending all of the money that Ottawa is sending out to BC for childcare. And so they're going to try to hold it back and spend it in a future year so Ottawa doesn't just claw it back. That's what's going on here. You know? And Simi, you know, I'm no big fan of the federal government, but you see right here what infuriates Ottawa about cost-shared programs with provinces. The federal government sends BC money for child care. BC reduces its share, doesn't spend the money, turns around and tries to hang on to the dough for a future year. And then Ottawa goes, well, we're not even getting credit out there for what we're doing. And, you know, <laughs> why should we even cost share? It's no wonder the federal government insists on auditing and making sure the province actually spends the money and tries to claw it back because they can't depend on the provinces to fairly share the credit for cost shared programs. No kidding. Okay, I also wanted to ask about what's going on in Victoria, mm. uh, having to do with the gangs and schools. Like, what is happening? Well, uh, school board in Victoria voted to kick 
the police liaison program out, to end it, to terminate it. And the police chief in Victoria and some other people have been pushing back and saying, look, uh, police in schools, it's a critical part of an anti-gang strategy. The gangs are recruiting in the schools. And I just heard the global report, uh, kids as young as 11 years old, the chief police in Victoria, Del Manac, is saying, we've got to do this. We've got to bring it back. There's some very interesting pushback against the school board in this. Uh, people can go to the blog of Andrew Weaver, remember him. He has not lost his turn of phrase. He is accusing the Victoria School Board of basically being ideologically driven and ignoring the evidence that school liaison programs with police are effective. And Weaver is speaking not just as the former leader of the Greens and a professor at the University of Victoria and a climate scientist, but he was a member of the police board in Oak Bay. And he says when this thing came out, this drive to, to end uh, police liaison in the school, he looked at the research that was coming out on this and he found most of it to be bogus. He says the, uh, the uh, basically the school boards got it wrong yesterday, Mike Farnworth, Solicitor General was asked, Simi, and to his credit, he says, the chief of police in Victoria is right. The school's uh, liaison program with police is critical to combating gangs recruitment in schools. And he says the school board in Victoria should reverse direction on this and do the right thing and allow the police to come back. Now, has the school board said anything about that? And when you're getting pressured, there's a lot of provincial politicians that are putting some pressure on you. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure on the school board here. Uh, You know, I haven't seen the school board come back on this. Uh, Originally, they were ideologically, uh, Reaver's right, the school board here was ideologically committed. They bought a poorly documented argument by the province's human rights commissioner. That's one of the things Weaver pointed out that a lot of the supposed data for what's wrong with police in schools is not borne out by an actual review of the peer-tested scientific studies of this. And if you really want to get into trouble with Andrew Weaver, just say you were following the, the science when you weren't. Uh, he has been very effective on this, uh, and I think he's probably helped sway Mike Farnworth on the issue as well. So interesting. Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Cindy. That is Vaughn Palmer there from the Vancouver Sun. We have a lot to